I want to punch Danny McBride in the face. The Kenny Powers fat fuck mullet wearing piece of shit. I want to punch him directly in his fucking cherub to face. That's how mad I am right now. He's a piece of shit. He should never had anything to do with Halloween. All three of this little new Halloween trilogy is bad, and we're going to get into it on the biscuit biscuits buttered podcast, starring none other than Victoria Vandenberg. Uh, I'm going to give my review of the new Halloween Ends movie. Um, brace yourself; there will be spoilers. I'm, I've I hadn't really wrote a review of it. I've just wrote down some things. I'm going to I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to guide you through this new Halloween movie, which is absolutely fucking terrible. Um, so where, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Okay. First off, there was lots of, um, let me move my chair to get in here where I can get to the microphone. I knew going into it that it would be bad, but I didn't really know how bad because, You know, a lot of things nowadays get bad reviews, but you can't really, like if you get on Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, you can't really tell how bad a movie is going to be or how good a movie is because you have these people that just have their own agendas that, you know, come into it for other reasons, you know, other than whether it's a good movie or not, you know, you'll have people come in and bitch and whine and moan and drag their politics and their ideologies into um, movie reviews. So you can't really trust a rating anymore. So I was like, I don't know. I'll have to see it, but it's just as bad as they say it is. I wouldn't say it's the worst Halloween movie that's ever been made. Uh, that one with Buster Rhymes was pretty fucking bad, (laughs) but, uh, this one, this one's pretty bad. So basically, you know, it, it starts out, uh, this guy, and there's this, I'm just going to run you through the whole, everything that happens. So spoiler alert, there's going to be spoilers in this. So basically this guy, the first of the movie, you know, uh, kills a little boy or maybe doesn't, I don't know. Uh, but you know, this, this main character guy that they got is just a complete fucking douchebag. And, um, I don't know where they pulled this guy from to be in the movie, but he's just, just seeing his face. It's like, you know, you ever see somebody you're like, Ugh, Ugh. they're that ugly looking you're, And for some reason they made this guy, the main character of the movie, um, you know, and, and they have Laurie Strode and Jamie Lee Curtis is of course playing Laurie Strode. And, uh, you know, look, Jamie Lee Curtis always brings it. First off, we got to compliment Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, everybody loves to heap praise on Meryl Streep. Jamie Lee Curtis is way better than Meryl Streep. Okay, that we're going to establish that on the podcast here today. She's way fucking better than Meryl Streep, and she always brings it. No problem with Jamie Lee Curtis, right? But. There's so much shit going on. So, you know, Laurie Strode is really fucked up in the other movies and has all this psychological damage and is a drunk. And in this movie, she's just living, laughing, and loving. 
<laughs> she she did therapy. She went to better help, you know, and she's not drinking anymore. And she's just a normal woman going about her life, trying to trying to live. And here's a quote from the movie: "Trying to live in love and trust." And <laughs> uh, she's fixed. This bitch is fixed. She did therapy and everything, and just living her life as a normal person. It's like what, huh? Like, am I, that's not even believable. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so everything's normal in her life. Michael Myers is living in a sewer for some reason. Uh, and uh, he's like weakened and living in a sewer and eating rats. And she, I don't think that happened. In the movie. I don't think he ate a rat in the movie. But uh, I would put this maybe second to last as far as a rating. It's better than was it? Was it Resurrection with uh, Buster Rhymes? Buster Bust. <laughs> so it's better than the Buster Bust Halloween movie. So um, now, if this was some other movie that wasn't a Halloween movie, um, I'm maybe. Maybe it would stand on its own. I don't know, but it's not a Halloween movie. It's got like five minutes of Michael Myers in it. This, It's got this little, basically Michael Myers has this little incel beta cuck that's running around um, killing for him. And, uh, you know, everyone's down on this guy and they're down on Laurie Strode. They're blaming her for Michael Myers killing everybody. And... Um, and basically, Michael's, you know, dragging kids down in the sewers and killing them. And uh, he's basically feeding to repair himself, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> that kid will, the, the new kid, the main character that they have, uh, the young man, will bring Michael victims. And Michael will sit down there like every time he kills somebody, he'll start vibrating and spasming because he's having an orgasm. Every time he kills somebody, he's getting off on it. Um. You know, like he's shaking and he's just, it's so, like, so bad. This movie's so fucking bad. Uh, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Um, there is a line in the movie um, that I did, that there's one good line in the movie where a guy says, they took my pain, my despair, and they made it about them. <laughs> They took my pain, my despair, and they made it about them. Doesn't that sound like modern day society? Just people getting outraged about every little thing that's going on in the world that they had that they're so far removed from every issue, but for some reason they want to make it out like it's deeply personal to them. Um, one weird thing about this movie is somehow, do you remember the movie Magnolia? <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that the house where Tom Cruise's dad lived and Philip Seymour Hoffman attended to Tom Cruise's dad from the film Magnolia, uh, I'm pretty sure that house uh, is in this movie. I'm pretty sure it's the same house. And it, you know, if you're a cinephile, you watch movies and you go, wait, I've seen this place before. And I'm almost certain that's the Magnolia house. Uh, 
where I'm like, why did they put that in there? Cause now I'm sitting here thinking about Magnolia while I'm trying to watch the goddamn movie. But basically anyway, Michael Myers is on a, uh, basically he's got a Walker. He's an old man. He's down on his luck and he, he has an assistant in this movie. He has to have, He's in an assisted living home. He's having to have a wet nurse come and help him kill people. That's basically the whole movie is Michael Myers has a wet nurse who helps him kill people. I mean, it's, it's fucking garbage. Uh, This is a weird thing that I just want to point out. There was a clip in the movie where they're filming lights on the highway. And for some reason, I'm like, that reminds me of Lost Highway. Why are they doing that? Why are they? I mean, that's only a two second. Pardon my autism. Pardon my Asperger's. I'm frying Asperger's today. Uh, I noticed that there was a clip where they shine lights onto the highway as they're going down the highway. And it reminded me of the movie Lost Highway, which uh, I advise you to watch Lost Highway instead of this flaming piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, and then there's a really bad scene where, where the main guy, you know, he's been bullied, he's been all this stuff, and now he's the, he's the bad boy, and he fakes suicide, he's the cool guy. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's so, this movie is a stinking, flaming, goddamn garbage fire. It is a garbage fire. I mean, there's so much shit you could make fun of it. You know, the whole time you see these characters, and you're like, and they're 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 hated on by the ha- everyone in Hattonfield, and you just go, why haven't you moved? Why don't you fucking move, people? Why don't you move? Because people don't like the main character because he uh, accidentally some kid died at the first, and they blamed it on him. And they don't like the Strodes because you know everybody blames them for Michael coming back. So this main kid has an overbearing mother. <laughs> And there's this horrible scene where she slaps him and it's really melodramatic and just, oh my God, yeah, you can't run off of that girl. There's something wrong with you. What, what, what's going to happen I mean, everything about this movie is just trash. And then his father, his poor fat fuck father, uh, looks at him and goes, after his mom slaps him and, you know, and shits on this poor kid, uh, his father just looks at him from from the fucking recliner and goes, I hope you find love. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never seen such a horrible movie. And his father is so sad and pathetic. It's just like this big, fat, Jerry Gergich looking guy who runs a fucking, um, uh, what do you call it, a salvage yard. And he just looks at his son and goes, I hope you find love. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, Lori, uh, doesn't like the relationship that this kid is, uh, uh, having with her daughter because she sees Michael in him. This is going to be the new Michael. And, uh, it's just, uh, the worst. Uh, but there is a really good cameo in this movie. I, I want to be clear. There's a great cameo in this movie. All right. Fanny Farkle, I had to take a sip out of my Fanny Farkle's cup. I love having a lot of uh, dead space, which is me drinking Diet Sunkissed out of none other than a Fanny Farkle's cup. 
and I'm eating a foot long corn dog from there as well. I drove up there this morning. So there is a cameo and it's the best part of the movie. The best part of this movie is the cameo. Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme does a cameo in this movie and it's the best fucking thing about it. Um, that's the only reason to watch this movie is to see Jean-Claude Van Damme. He needs to come back. Let's be honest. So basically, um, the bullies. Okay, so this main character that I hate is bullied by kids that are like, 10 years younger than him and like a foot smaller than him. And he's getting bullied by them because he's a cuck. He's a beta cuck, incel type of thing. And then, so he ends up eventually killing them because he turns into Michael Myers. Like I said, there's spoilers in this. So um, there are some cool, unique murders at the end. Uh, uh, Lori Strode almost commits suicide, but not really. She's like, do you think I did kill myself? Eh." And then she fucking uh, fights this dude out there that's uh, pretend Michael Myers. Um, So basically she kills this kid. Her daughter comes back. Oh my God, you killed my boyfriend. Eh." And uh, I mean, everything about this movie was so fucking God awful. And then of course at the end, she's like, I know you had to kill him. I'm not, I'm not mad about it. You know? (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if anyone can pick up anything about this movie from the way I'm describing it, because y'all are going to watch it and be like, man, this is a really all over the place review. And that's the way I do it here at the biscuits buttered podcast with Victoria Vandenberg. Email me with anything you want to tell me at biscuits buttered at proton.me. All right. So if you want to see a movie with five minutes of Michael Myers, this is it. Okay, if you if you've always watched the Halloween movies and went, you know what? I wish there was less Michael Myers in it. This is the movie for you. <laughs> I don't think they're really ever going to be able to make a good Halloween movie ever again because you just don't have Donald Pleasance and you just don't have the same people that made it good. Uh, you know, if you go back to like the older Halloween movies. And they kind of built up to the curse of Michael Myers. And they had this kind of like in the background plot about the thorn cult and all this stuff. And there would be like a cult that was kind of, uh, I guess, leading, you know, helping Michael Myers or something. They never really fully explained it. I don't fucking know. But I wish they would have continued that storyline or bring it back or something. Because I I thought that would be fucking cool. But back to my movie review. Uh, Michael finally shows up for five minutes. Uh, the town's on fire. Uh, he gets unmasked. Uh, he's a very, very old man. Uh, Lori and her daughter, um, Jack Kevorkian style, assisted suicide on him. <laughs> They're like, we're going to end this. And, uh, you know, the whole time you're just yelling at the screen because they're like taking their time, you know, knifing him down on the table and the whole time you're like for Christ's sakes don't like they're always taking their time with this guy like chop him up for Christ's sakes fucking chop him up fucking make sure that he cannot come back 
dismember him, okay? But no, instead of just chopping him up with the knives that you got, chop his head off, chop his hands off, make it so he cannot kill. Again, they're like, no, you know what we've got to do? <laughs> we've got to take our time, use some rope, strap him to the top of the car, drive him across town, and drop him into a fucking car crusher at the salvage yard that this other asshole's, um, this other asshole's, uh, you know, the, the piece of shit dad that I told you about earlier that, uh, <laughs> told his son, I hope you find love. Um, well, anyway, basically the town, it ends, this is how the movie ends. The town folk tie Michael up and they gang rape him all at once. Every single member of the town. It's actually a 10 hour movie. And all 50,000 residents of Haddonfield fuck Michael Myers. Not going to say I didn't have a chub. Not going to say my tits weren't hard. I'm just saying that's what happens. You need to prepare yourself for it. Yeah, I mean, it's hardcore. So anyway, Lori, after she kills him, she's like, well, I'm just going to write a fucking autobiography about this whole fucking thing. And uh, she becomes a writer. And uh, it's a wonderful movie. It ends so well. Um, you know, she... She... Um, she wins a, a Pulitzer Prize for her writing on that. And um, she... It basically starts working for the New York Times, and uh, there's a whole um, whole other movie that starts at that point. And you know, she moves to New York City and becomes a investigative journalist for the New York Times, where she investigates other uh, serial killings throughout the world. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> we need more um, Jamie Lee Curtis. <coughs> we need a lot more Jamie Lee Curtis. So I'm currently eating, I went to Burger King, and I'm currently eating a ghost pepper Whopper. And they made it fucking orange. It's a fucking orange Whopper. And it's actually, it's not as hot as a ghost pepper, but it's actually a lot hotter than I thought they would make it. Because a lot of times, fast food places, when they say something's hot, it's not hot because they know their customers don't know what hot is. <laughs> Which is most people do not know what hot is. Okay, so what are we going to talk about this week? So Halloween ends, um, we all need to, uh, I, you know, Danny McBride, it's going to take a lot for him um, to get back in my good graces, okay? he. I don't know who read this script and thought that it would be a good idea. It's just, it's a piece of shit movie. And um, I hope that whoever uh, wrote that script uh, dies of cancer. And all the people that had anything to do with it uh, die of cancer because it's, um, it's trash. All right. This is um, Biscuits Buttered with uh, Victoria Vonnenberg. Email me at uh, biscuitsbuttered at proton.me. I just want to plug that over and over and over again. So there, uh, I, I told you in the last episode that I just got back from Memphis. 
there um, was a thing that I did miss that I wanted to go back to, but I just wanted to share it with you because it's something that I've never known about, but it's in Memphis. It's called uh, St. Peter's Spiritual Temple. Uh, The locals call it the Voodoo Village. A reclusive Memphis neighborhood is home to decades worth of misunderstood Masonic folk art. If you get the chance, look this up. It's really trippy. Basically, um, some guy, some religious guy, back in, uh, I don't know, what's his name? Um, a spiritual leader named Wash Harris. And uh, he basically built this place called St. Peter's Spiritual Temple. And it has all this really weird, trippy, like religious art that he's built, like folk art. And there's a whole village that people like come from all over the world to go there to live. Well, anyway, the people in Memphis kind of misunderstood it as voodoo, even though it's really, you know, just a, uh, basically just a n- normal guy. Well, you know, as normal as he can be. <laughs> he's not, he's not, um, he's not a high voodoo priestess like they're trying to say he is. You know, he's just a, a Christian who likes to make uh, art. So basically these poor people there have had people come in and shoot guns at them and, and uh, treat them like shit and, um, you know, break into their homes and stuff like that. I hope I can visit this place sometime because it's just really creepy and kind of eerie. But that wasn't the intention uh, by that guy. But basically, all the locals claim that, you know, if you go in, you'll be chased out by people, baseball bats and things like that. But I'm assuming that's because there's a bunch of um, assholes that fuck with them there in Memphis. So, there's probably a reason they're chasing you with baseball bats. If you're going in there, you're probably being a dick, <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Look it up. If you can, uh, I think his son still runs it to this day, um, which I think is really fucking cool. Um, so maybe one day, maybe one day I can go by there and uh, take some pictures. So this is our spooky Halloween episode. We're just going to really talk about just, all kinds of weird things that I want to bring to your attention. You know, this podcast is really just about me wanting to share things that I think are neat or cool or anything like that. So um, I'm not even going to try, you know, usually I try to be funny on these podcasts, but today I'm literally just ranting into a microphone (laughs) because we already filmed one today. And I'm a little bit tired. I've been, I just got back from Memphis and I've been running all over. But anyway, one thing I did uh, miss in Memphis back in, I believe in August, uh, there's this thing called Humble Productions or Humble Enterprises. And they brought the, the great Joe Bob Briggs to Memphis to a drive-in to watch. They basically had this little event where they watched horror movies and had independent films come in and they, uh, <coughs> excuse me. And they just went through looking, watching horror movies, things like that. And, uh, I've always wanted to meet Joe Bob Briggs. When I was a young child, I would watch monster vision and, uh, watch his show on there. And he's one of the people that, uh, you, you know that movie, The Witch, and <laughs> the end, like, you know, I guess the devil shows up and he's like, I'll guide your hand. <laughs> That's how Joe Bob Briggs has been for me. He, he'll he guide my hand. 
So um, I'm sad that I missed that. But maybe next time he tours and does these little things at the drive-in movie theaters, maybe I'll actually get to attend one. (laughs) But um, I I don't know. I haven't. Look, you know me. I don't like to do... um, I don't like to fact check things. So we're just going to say things and hope they're factual. Uh, I think the humble enterprises or productions has something to do with the Halloween preservation society podcast. If you hadn't listened to that, uh, it's this really uh, nerdy guy uh, talking about stuff involving Halloween and horror movies and spooky stuff. So if you ever get the chance, listen to Halloween preservation society, um, it's a good podcast to be reminiscent, to be nostalgic about Halloween and horror movies. So give it a look. All right. So while I was in Memphis, um, and did I talk about this on the last podcast? There's a new Halloween movie. Oh, or excuse me. Hello. I'm all over the place today. I apologize. There is a new Hellraiser movie uh, starring Jamie Clayton as um, um, Pinhead. And the new movie is, I don't think it's the best Hellraiser movie. Okay? I don't think it's the best. Uh, I liked the first two. I really loved Hellraiser Bloodlines. The third one... The third uh, Hellraiser movie with like, I think there's a Cenobite with CDs <laughs> in its head. <laughs> it's horrible, maybe. But, okay, so the new movie I would rank maybe fourth. Fourth down, and then, you know, the the Cenobite with the CDs in its head and the third one. Maybe that's the fifth best movie. I don't know. But there's been so many bad Hellraiser movies because people just don't... Uh, People just don't know how to make them, I guess. I don't know. It just doesn't, there's a magic missing. Well, anyway, so I went to Barnes and Noble and uh, it had been years since I read The Hellbound Heart. And uh, I just don't know how to say this enough. Uh, Clive Barker uh, is a Renaissance man. And when I read this book, the way he describes things and the way he describes Frank, you know, Frank getting the box and you know, he talks to the Cenobites, the angels from hell, the, uh, uh, what is it? The, um, order of the gash. Is that what it's called? Am I saying that right? Uh, and the way, you know, he's looking for sensation because life bores him. And then, you know, the way he describes all of the senses of Frank enhancing, and then he gets tortured and, and everything like that. He just has a way with words. This man's a poet. And I highly recommend reading The Hellbound Heart. Uh, and then this woman's uh, passion for Frank. She wants to basically, she really wants to fuck Frank. <laughs> and she'll do anything to bring him back, including kill people. Um, so today I thought maybe um, I didn't really prepare anything. Uh, I thought I would just flip through my book collection here. So um, I have a short, I have, I don't know what I did with it, but I do have uh, a collection of uh, short stories by Ambrose Bierce. And this guy is not well known, but should be. 
Okay. Ambrose Bierce uh, wrote the Devil's Dictionary, wrote a lot of really great stories. And I wish that people knew him better. Can you hear that? It's me flipping through the Devil's Dictionary. So if you ever get the chance, uh, please look into Ambrose Bierce because he has, you know, the thing about his stories is that they're, they don't really have a, a regular kind of um, um, narrative style, I guess, or, a you know, most things, you know, you have the plot and the, the climax. His are just kind of, they're just bizarre. They're just bizarre stories with bizarre things happening in them, like incest and everything else, just lots of oddness. And sometimes the way he describes things, I just, you're there, you know, when he, when he describes them, you're there. And I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. The guy is a madman and should get his credits due. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm coughing all of a sudden. I think I'm trying to do too much damn to trying to film too many podcasts. Um, Annie Jacobson. So I, I have a book by Annie Jacobson. I've listened to most of her um, audio books. Um, I warn you, it takes a while to get used to any, if you're listening to her on audio, on Audible, it takes a while to get used to her because she's got a very bland voice that'll put you to sleep. But anyway, I wanted to suggest Area 51 by Annie Jacobson. She's got all kinds of great stuff about, you know, military history and, uh, and different things that could have been, you know, confused for UFOs and stuff like that. But basically, I'm going to cut, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I'm going to cut to the end of this book and tell you that basically she talked to a lot of people who have worked at Area 51. And someone told her who worked, she's confirmed this, someone told her that at Area 51, um, excuse me, I'm, I'm telling you this wrong. <laughs> I'm not right today. Just bear with me. I'm not right. Uh, Victoria has been, um, running hard. <laughs> so Roswell. Okay. Basically Annie Jacobson believes that there was a crash landing at Roswell and I agree with her. So she believes due to people she's talked to that there was a crash landing at Roswell. Only it wasn't real aliens. It was actually, um, it was actually a plane sent by Stalin. Okay. This checks out people. Don't question it. It was a plane sent by Stalin that looked like a UFO. And Stalin had little children manipulated, had plastic surgery done on children to make them look like aliens. This, this happened, people. This happened. This is, this is history. And basically, they did experiments on children to make them look like aliens they wanted to cause mass panic in the United States. So that's why they sent this ship 
with little children manipulated to look like aliens because they wanted to start a mass panic in the United States and cause chaos because that's Russia's go-to thing is to, to cause instability in our country. That, that's their main goal is just to rot us from within. So they sent the ship. But it gets even worse because basically her sources tell her that when we found this ship in Roswell, New Mexico, which we've lied, uh, which is proven that they lied about uh, all the original stories, you know, saying it's weather balloons and things like this. Um, I think in the 90s, they came out and claimed that it was some top secret military um, uh, balloons that were to detect, um, I think they were to detect um, nuclear uh, testing. But I think even that ended up being a lie. And basically, we they crashed these little people into Roswell. The government hid it because originally, you know, the government told everybody, yeah, we found, we found a flying saucer. And then they were like, oh, no, 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 we didn't. Never mind. <laughs> uh, but supposedly when we found these little children that were manipulated and we, and we uh, investigated it, um, we found out they were children. And then we decided that we were going to try to do it ourselves. So we did experiments on children with plastic surgery to make them appear to be aliens. And supposedly people at area 51 would refer to these children as the children um <laughs> uh, so that's what happened in roswell new mexico and that's the history that i'm gonna believe whether it's true or not i think it sounds cool and you know what you could tell me anything you could tell me anything the government did back in the day and i'd believe it pretty much i mean if you look into the history of the cia when dulles was running it and he was doing all these crazy operations and everything else um it's it's believable, you know. Have you ever heard of um, Operation Northwoods? Anybody ever heard of that? Look it up. Look up operations. Oper, operate. Ugh. I'm having trouble today, people. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be filming this right now. Recording it. See, I can't even say that right. I'm fucking up everything today. But anyway, Operation Northwoods. Look it up. Uh, basically, Dulles and the CIA wanted to uh, do a terrorist attack on U.S. soul. And uh, they even asked JFK if they could do a terrorist attack on U.S. soul to gin up uh, support for a war. And uh, the weird thing is, when you read into Operation Northwoods, you sit there and you go, well, that, that sounds an awful lot like Pearl Harbor. That's kind of creepy and that's why nowadays like if, if you go and i forget the book i listened to on audible about the cia i think it was like history of ashes or something like that the more you find out about the history of the cia the more you doubt the official story of history okay um so it happened believe me we did experiments on children at area 51 to try to make them look like aliens because stalin sent Children with plastic surgery over here. <laughs> it makes sense. It sounds believable, right? <laughs> uh, I just lost a lot of listeners. They're like, oh, he's gone full conspiracy theory person. Look, I just like stories. 
that's all there is to it. I just like stories. Whether they're true or not, I don't care. I just like to hear them. Um, I want to give a shout out, and I don't know if I talked about this on the last podcast, but there's a great author from Alabama called Michael McDowell. Uh, he helped write Beetlejuice. He helped write a lot of great uh, stories and movies. Uh, he also wrote, I believe, uh, LGBTQ adult fiction under a different name. Uh, but he wrote so many great books and novels and stories. Uh, he wrote the Blackwater series. Um, and I'm currently holding a book that he wrote with Tabitha King called Candles Burning. I have not gotten the chance to get to this yet, and it'll probably be a long time before I do. But uh, it's, you know, living in Alabama, um, there's not much, there's not much to be proud of. (laughs) So anytime you have anybody who came, you know, was from Alabama who made it, sort of, sadly, this guy, um, sadly, this guy died very young of cancer. And uh, he was a great writer, and I suggest anyone look into his books. There's another great book called the elementals, which is like about this family down on the beach in Alabama. And they've got these weird houses that they live in. All this weird stuff happens. And then, um, um, Blackwater is like a five book series and it details about a, a timber logging empire. And, and to me, there's not even much supernatural stuff in the Blackwater series. It's literally just about a family that owns a logging empire. And then every once in a while, something supernatural happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, look into Michael McDowell. He's wonderful. Uh, last time I was at um, McKay's in Nashville, which is a great store, uh, and I have I buy shit, and I never even get around to looking at it. This is how much of a piece of shit I am. <laughs> but uh, I have a book called The Vampire Articles, and it has uh, the most complete volume of vampire tales ever published. So it has everything from Neil Gaiman, or no, no, excuse me, the preface is by Neil Gaiman. The forward is by Kim Newman. But it has Anne Rice, Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, Harlan Ellison. Uh, If y'all are looking for something with vampires to read, this is like a huge collection of uh, stories from F.G. Loring, um, Julian Hawthorne, uh, just all kinds of different writers. And it's all like vampire stories. Uh, they've got a classic tales section, uh, psychic vampires, just all kinds of cool stuff. And this is over, let me see how, it's like a thousand pages of vampire stories. So I've never seen this book out, um, but I did see it at McKay's in Nashville. If you're ever in Nashville, go to McKay's. They have movies, musical instruments, games. Uh, lots of music and CDs and things like that. It's the one of the best places to go just chill and hang out and find some cool shit to watch or find some cool shit to read or listen to. Um, you know what? You know what? 
I don't know if I promise this, okay? Um, but we need to talk about ancient aliens. I don't know if I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I want to defend ancient aliens for just a second, okay? Victoria. <laughs> Victoria, that's my name. Well, I have to edit that out. So, ancient aliens. I'm going to defend it right now on the podcast. Look, let's say, let's say you work at a chicken plant. Or let's say you kick shit at a chicken house. All right? You work a hard day's labor. You work 12 hours a day kicking chicken shit. That's what you do. You're a chicken shit kicker. You come home. You turn on the TV. How are you going to teach this man history? Okay? How are you going to teach that guy history? You don't want to fucking... You don't want to hear history. How are you going to teach this man? How are you going to teach this Neanderthal that kicks shit all day? That's a job here in Alabama, by the way. Basically, you clean shit all day at the chicken house because that's all they do is shit on each other all day. How are you going to teach this man history? Ancient aliens, that's how. So this is how I'm defending ancient aliens. Look, they do talk about history on ancient aliens. They do show you a lot of great archaeological sites. They do show you a lot of cool shit from history that's weird. Now, their insane theories on it, just set those aside. And <laughs> just set those aside. We're teaching the common man about history. And we got to spruce it up a little bit. Add some aliens. Sprinkle in the aliens. <laughs> that way he'll learn about Gobekli Tempe and the pyramids and all these different things all around the world that he never would have learned anything about if we wouldn't have made up some stories about aliens, okay? So that's how I'm going to defend ancient aliens. It's a gateway it's a gateway drug to history, okay? We we first we reel them in with the alien stuff. We teach them about all kinds of weird archaeological sites all over the world. We make up some bullshit about aliens and then you know next thing you know, he might you know, he might walk in somewhere and buy an actual history book. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know. You don't know. It could happen. <laughs> That's my defense. And plus, it's a highly entertaining show. I like it. <laughs> so um, we'll talk about some places, um, haunted places in Alabama. Um, and we'll save other places for another episode. Um, so there is a sanitarium called Bryce in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And you can actually, there's been, I think there's been several different buildings, but there's now one that's like, um, completely, um, abandoned now. And it was Bryce, uh, sanitarium where they kept all the crazy people back in the day. And you can actually walk through this. There's YouTube videos of people just walking through, and it is creepy as fuck. I mean, it looks like something out of a horror movie, and I, I highly suggest that people go down and walk through uh, the old Bryce building. It's like stories tall, and 
has all kinds of creepy shit. I, I haven't got to go to it yet, but I'm eventually going to get down there. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it. Who knows? Uh, if anybody has any information on that and the hauntings, I don't know if anybody's seen anything there or anything like that. Give me uh, a just, just swing me an email at biscuitsbuttered at proton.me. <laughs> uh, there's also an old church called High Hill Church it's in Parish. Out, actually, it's not in Parish. It's in Good Springs, Alabama. Uh, I was reading some things about it. Um, online uh, i forgot which website but apparently it's haunted by a lot of kind of demonic presences and presences i i'm really i'm stroking out today people y'all need to y'all need to come save me i'm gonna die in my house here in a minute because uh, something ain't right well anyway there's ghostly a ghostly presence there and um people um there's lots of videos of people visiting on YouTube and, you know, they'll try to get videos of orbs or get, uh, you know, they'll bring their audio recorder and try to get anything they can get off of that. Uh, see if anyone, uh, uh, speaks with them, uh, which I've been there myself. There's really cool. Just go for the gravestones for Christ's sakes. There are really cool gravestones. There's one, where the guy was a trucker and his handle was bear rabbit. He's the bear rabbit. <laughs> and uh, there's like little children's graves and things like that. And there's just everything that you would want to see there. Uh, and it's really fucking creepy. So please um, give it a look. Um. I think I'm going to end this. This is probably going to be our shortest podcast today because um, the house is um, my uh, elderly father came back and he's always cold and he turned up the heat. And I think that's what's wrong with me right now is <laughs> I cannot think because it's 100 degrees in this house right now. So I'm going to bid y'all adieu. Uh, this is Biscuits Buttered with Victoria Vandenberg. And I want you to email me at biscuitsbuttered at proton.me.